good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you today. And um, so my name is Janice Crugnelli, and this is my husband, Dino. And I just want to show you a picture. Our kids aren't with us today, but we have Elizabeth, um, who is a freshman in college at Messiah University in Pennsylvania. And then we have Bella, who's in 10th grade. Um, and then we have Benjamin, who last time he was here, he was really little. He's grown up now. He's in fourth grade now, and he's doing great. Um, so I just want to start. Some of you know us, and some of us, um, this is maybe the first time we're kind of meeting. So I just want to start by giving you a little bit of an idea of who we are and how we got here um, into this place. And then um, we'll tell you a little bit more about the ministry um, that we're involved in in Kenya. So Dino and I are both family medicine doctors, and we serve with World Gospel Mission at Tenwick Hospital in Kenya, in East Africa. And we've been there since 2008. Um, and so we're back here this year for furlough, and then we'll be headed back to Kenya in August. So for me, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in Peabody, Mass., which is obviously not far from here. And um, I grew up going to church. My parents were Christians, and they taught me about the love of Christ from the time I was real young. And I actually became a Christian. I gave my life to God when I was about five. So I was really young. Um, and when I was in second grade, my parents said, we had these little books you were filling out, what you want to be when you grow up, who your favorite teacher was in second grade, whatever. And um, I said, I want to be a missionary nurse. And my parents were a little shocked, I think, because we had no pastors in our family. We had no missionaries in our family. We had no medical people at all in our family. And medicine was the last thing my mom wouldn't have, have anything to do with. Um, but for whatever reason, God just really put that on my heart, that medicine and missions together was what he called me for. So my story is a little bit different. I, um, I grew up in Lynn, which is, you know, not so far either. Um, and I grew up in an Italian Catholic family. And um, as good Italian Catholics, we went to church every week. Um, and we learned a lot about God uh, along the way. But I feel like what I didn't get to do is really learn who God was. Um, and it wasn't really until high school when I met Janice uh, that she shared with me something different, something I had not heard of before. And that was the idea that God wanted to have a relationship with me, that he wanted to walk with me. And so um, really for the first time, I picked up the scriptures and I read through the New Testament. And sure enough, that's exactly what God wanted. He wanted to walk with me through life and to have this relationship. And I, I said, okay, God, I'll follow you, whatever that means. Um, and so from then on, God uh, became a part of my life. And I can just say that I was so overwhelmed with joy in knowing God like that, um, that I just wanted to share it with others because I, I knew that if I had missed it, that many others might have missed it as well. And so I did that, you know, as, as good as you can as a new Christian, not really knowing a whole lot. Um, but a couple of months later, the church that we were going to had an annual missions conference. And so as we were listening, one of the missionaries talked about the people group he was in. And he talked about a group of people who had never heard the name of Jesus. And I thought, wow, I had heard the name of Jesus and missed the point. And so... I really just felt like God calling me to them, to people who had never heard before. And so that was my call to missions. Uh, Janice and I remained dating uh, through high school, through college, and got married in medical school. Uh, we both went to UMass. 
And then we both did our residencies here in Beverly. Um, during the medical school and residency, we continued to seek out opportunities to do missions through church, through medical uh, ministries out there, always with the hope that God would show us where he wanted us long term. And so in 2007, he brought us to um, Kenya, which is in East Africa. You can go to the next slide. Uh, it's down in the southwest corner, a very rural and um, hilly area. And the first time we visited the hospital there, after being many, many places, we really felt God's peace about this is where he wanted us. And so we've remained at Tenwick. Next slide. Um, Tenwick is a 360-bed mission hospital, pretty big. Uh, it's probably about the size of Beverly Hospital for any of you who've been there. And, um, you know, for the most part, our mission there is to, to uh, provide compassionate health care, but also to provide an opportunity to share the gospel and then to train others to do the same. And so... Um, 200,000 plus people per year come through our doors and we have the opportunity to do those things to provide that health care that they've come for but also to provide an opportunity to hear the gospel and to hear the hope of Jesus. So as family medicine doctors our main goal is to do primary care uh, so we pe see people in the outpatient as we would here and deal with their needs as they come. Some are the usual as you would think of, some are not the usual, like TV and all kinds of other interesting things. Um, but we also, God has also placed us uh, at the hospital, and this hospital is bringing access to even specialty care. Next slide. This is our newborn ICU, intensive care unit. It's where we take care of the sickest of the newborns and premature babies. It is really, there's only like two in all of Kenya. And so we have been fortunate to, to see a lot of these young, sick babies come out well uh, by God's grace. Also in this very rural area of Kenya, God has opened an opportunity to do interesting things. You can change the slide, like open heart surgery and brain surgery. And so God has really brought uh, his presence to this area in many, many ways. Each time we go back, we go back for a four-year term. And in this past term, there are many opportunities and also many challenges. I know this church has been following along with us from the very beginning. And one of the things, if you've been following with our newsletters uh, or just through the missions committee, you may have heard in 2018, we had a huge fire. You can go to the next slide. And um, it came on a Friday night. Now, Friday night at Tenwick Hospital, most of the missionaries, if you're not on call, are all doing one thing, and that is having pizza and movie night. And so in our, in our homes or sometimes together with other families, we'll make pizzas, we'll sit, we'll watch a movie, uh, whatever means that is projection or on a small screen. Um, and so we had just sat down, our family, to sit and eat our pizza and watch The King and I, and to this day, I don't think we've ever watched the whole thing through. No. But <laughs> not far into it, we get this dunk, 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 dunk on the door. And it's one of our neighbors. So as I open the door, she says, Daktari, Daktari, the hospital is on fire. Well, we had no idea. We went outside, and of course, the whole sky was lit up with orange. And so we ran up there to see what we could do to help. And so as we got up there, you can imagine the kind of chaos this creates. 
And so we got up there, and there are people, you know, you can see the blaze up there on the screen. And they're throwing, you know, dirt at it and buckets of water because there's, there's no fire engines. There's no fire hoses to put this out. The one fire hose we do have came, you know, nowhere near this building. And so by the grace of God, it did get put out. So we were doing that, and at the same time, people were moving uh, all the patients out so that there was safety. And God was good. God let no one get hurt during that whole episode. Not one burn, not one smoke problem, nothing. And so we know God is watching over us. Now we did lose things in that fire. That building housed our kitchen, our sterilizing area, our laundry. And so how are we gonna feed the patients? Well, God provided for that. Our nursing school, which is further down the hill, untouched by the fire, was able to provide the food for the hospital for many weeks. And the sterilizing equipment and the laundry the, the local hospital, the local government hospital came to us and said, we'll do that for you while you rebuild. And even the surgical ward that was in that building, God has provided through many, many generous people to rebuild the building. And so you see on the other side of your screen, there is a building being built and it's even much further along than the one you see there. And this will not only allow us to resume some of those services that were there, but it will also allow us to build two extra floors where we can start cancer care, something unheard of in our area, unaccessible to our people. So another challenge that we had during this last term, and frankly, since the time we arrived there, is our emergency room. So our emergency room is a seven-bed emergency room. Um, it's, again, probably about the size of this platform. Um, and so there's seven beds in there. The problem is we don't have seven patients at a time. We usually have maybe 15 or 20 patients, sometimes more, all kind of crammed into this tiny little space. Um, they sit in chairs, <laughs> like in between the beds, or sometimes if we have a wheelchair, they'll sit in a wheelchair. But the problem is we only take the sickest of the sick to our emergency room. The rest of the patients go to outpatient. And when you're that sick, to have to be trying to kind of be slumped over in a chair, um, I've walked in, we've, we've had all sorts of, I mean, you can't resuscitate a patient in a chair, right? You need a stretcher. Um, and so for me, my heart has always been, every time I walk into that emergency room and we spend a lot of time in there as, um, family medicine people, I always have felt like, how is, is this really the best we can do? Like, is this really compassionate to these people? It doesn't feel compassionate to me as a doctor. And um, we've struggled and we've prayed year after year to say, God, what do we do? Like, um, but in this past term, God said, I have a way, I have a way for you. And um, he actually directed us to apply for a grant from the US government. Who would have known that the US government is really, um, they do provide grants for different places and we applied for a US, it's called USAID, government grant. And um, we received a grant to build a new emergency room and we're so excited. So this emergency room will be new, it'll be bigger, it'll have the right equipment, we hope, and, um, and we're really excited about it. So a lot of our time in this past term has been getting ready for this. So there's a lot of paperwork that has to be done, a lot of reports that have to be filled out for the U.S. government, a lot of approvals for the Kenyan government as well. We had to find 
an architect to get um, climate plans. And then finally, we had gotten to the point where we found a contractor and we're ready, like we have our plans, we're ready to go. And um, our plan was to start in March and actually the plan was that we were going to take this building we, that we had, we had to move the outpatient pediatric services out of the building to another place. We got that ready, we moved them out. And then we were going to demolish part of the building, expand, and rebuild. We were ready. We were, it was going to be done and finished before we left on furlough. And then what happened mid-March? Everyone knows, right? The COVID. Um, and the very first case of COVID came into the country um, beginning of March. And by um, two weeks after that, the government had completely closed the country down. No one in or out of the capital city, which is where our contractor was from. And they said, you can't, you can't build. So personally, I had invested so much in this project and I was really disappointed. Like, you know that really deep disappointment that you get? And I was like, God, what, what is this? You know, we've been working at this. We believe you want this. It's like, wait a minute. I am not missing in this whole thing. And we took a step back and we looked and we said, we have this building that we just emptied out. We have this empty space and we have COVID patients that are gonna be coming. And we would have had nowhere else in that whole hospital to put COVID patients. But we had this empty space that Again, God's provision, we got the last oxygen concentrator in the whole country. We were able to pipe oxygen into that that we'll be able to remove and put back in when we get the new ER. And um, we had a COVID unit. And praise God, because he's good and nothing surprises him. Next slide. So all of this happens here in this community. Um, if you looked out the back of Tenwick, this is what you would see, the hills that are across. And so most of the people that we serve, most of the people that come to Tenwick are rural farmers. <coughs> They're living mm -hmm. off the land, not big farms, commercial farms, mm -hmm. but just enough to make it for their families. And most of them live in mud huts. Most of them do not have electricity or running water, but they do have each other. And so they, they have a, a, a sense of community there, um, but they do undergo many, many challenges. A lot of people say, you know, kind of what's it like there? Or what is Kenya like? Or what are some of the challenges? And it's really hard to kind of describe that. But I'd like to tell you a story about a young man that we met a couple of years back um, that maybe will help you understand a little bit more about kind of what the people there go through and the challenges they have. Excellent. So, once a year, we have an opportunity at Tenwick Hospital to go to a, um, a, on a missions outreach to an area in the western part of Kenya. So western Kenya borders Lake Victoria, which is the um, second largest freshwater lake in the world, the second, about the size of Ireland. So it's huge. And um, you can imagine on this giant lake, there are lots of different islands. And this particular group of islands called Mfangano Island are the one of the biggest groups of islands is about 20,000 people that live um, in this area. And they really have absolutely no access to medical care. Um, there's little clinics on the island, but really they're very, very isolated um, people. And so we have an opportunity to bring a team of um, doctors and nurses from Tenwick and go out to see how we can help um, in that area, even if it's just to relieve suffering, like what we can do to help these people.
And so a couple of years ago, we were there, and we were in clinic, and I was sitting in clinic, and the next patient comes in. You kind of sit there, and they bring the patients to you. And this young man was about 14 years old, um, and it was obvious the very first thing that he was really very ill. He was struggling just to walk a short distance across the room. It was obvious that he was having trouble breathing. Um, he was very, very thin, emaciated, very thin arms and legs. But the most striking thing about this young man was his abdomen. It was just incredibly distended, very, very large abdomen, and he just looked incredibly sick. And so he came in and sat down, and I introduced myself to him, and he said, oh, hi, I'm George, George Bush. I said, okay, um, and yes, indeed, people on the islands, they love to name their children after American presidents. They really do. We met, you know, lots of George Bushes that week. Barack Obama is very um, popular as well. We haven't met a Donald Trump, but you never know. We might. We might. Probably next time when we go back, they'd still be little babies. So, um, but so as I talked to George to hear kind of about what was going on, he said he hadn't been well for a couple of years. He had been to some of these different little clinic things on the island, and no one really knew what was wrong. And they had given him some medicine. He took it. Nothing happened. Um, but now, then his abdomen started to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and um, he got sicker and sicker, and now he wasn't even able to go to school because it was too hard to even walk to school. He just kind of laid there in his bed all day, um, wondering what to, what to do. So, you know, as a good doctor, you examine him, and the only thing that was really obvious was that his spleen was really huge in taking up his whole abdomen. Um, for non-medical people, the spleen is a little bit like the liver, only on the other side, a little bit. It's not really, but just that's kind of gives you a sense of what it is. And the problem is, on the other hand, we don't have any tests. Like, I can't draw blood and send blood samples. I can't, you know, do an ultrasound or an x-ray or a CAT scan or anything. Um, and I just thought, I have frankly no idea what's wrong with this poor kid. I just don't know, and I have no way to find out. I know what, I have a whole list of all the things it could be in my mind, but I can't, I can't tell. So I talked to George and his mom and said, listen, I really don't know, um, but if we could, if you could come back to Tenwick with us, maybe we could figure it out. Maybe we could help. I, I, you know, but it's a big commitment, and Tenwick is really far for them. And so George and his mom talked about it, and they finally said, "Sure, we'll come." Um, he had never been—I don't even think—off the island before, but okay, we'll come. So at the end of the week, you know, we pack into the boats. It's two hours by boat, and it's four or five hours by bus, and so George and his mom come back with us to Tenwick. And once we were at Tenwick, um, we were really thankful. It was actually really fairly straightforward to figure out what was wrong with him. And he had a problem called schistosomiasis, and schisto is a parasite that lives in fresh water. So um, you get it from bathing in the lake, and um, it obviously it can affect the spleen. And the, the thing about schisto is that it's preventable. If you take one dose of medicine once a year, you'll never have a problem with it. If you get it and get sick from it, you can take a short course, like a two-week course of medicine, and again, it's treated, it's gone, you're better. But at this point, unfortunately, George was so incredibly sick with it, the only possibility was to remove his spleen. Um, but thankfully, at Tenwick, we have some really great doctors. It's a really big surgery. Um, but he was able to have his spleen removed successfully, and we were able to um, send him back to the island feeling so much better. 
Access to compassionate and good medical care is a huge problem. It's a huge need. Many people are suffering needlessly or even dying because of preventable or treatable diseases. Another big need in uh, Kenya is for discipleship. And so while you'll hear that Kenya is a Christian nation because people take it on their ballot box, um, what they need is people to come alongside them and to deepen their faith. This is a picture of us with some of our trainees uh, doing, doing some discipleship material. And so there's a need for discipleship. There's a need for compassionate health care. And we know that Jesus, when he was with us, addressed both of these needs of health and hope. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 34, 35 through 38, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he turned to his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, we believe God's desire is to use people to meet these needs. You know, we're grateful to be able to go and follow his example and to see the need and to have compassion and to um, heal diseases and to share the gospel. One of our biggest joys while we're there, honestly, is to work with trainees that we meet. Um, we have interns there, we have residents there, we have medical students there. We do a lot of training. It's a lot of what we do with our time. Um, and one of our biggest privileges is to be part of the family medicine residency. So in Kenya, it's very difficult to get into residency programs where you go from um, medical school and then internship one year and then oftentimes people are just kind of out there after one year of training and it's not their fault they just haven't been trained well enough and don't actually know how to provide good care and so we have the opportunity to work with these young people to get them through residency programs um, and to show them that as young Christian doctors their um, their calling is not just to provide good medical care but to provide good medical care with compassion and to use that as an opportunity to share the gospel and to bring the true hope um, that we as Christians know to the people we serve. And so in the past 12 years, as we've served at Tenwick, we have seen over 200 of these trainees go out. 200 Christian young people, young doctors who are using their profession to be in all kinds of places that we would never be able to go, sharing their faith and doing good medicine. Uh, and so we're thankful to be a part of that. I want to share with you the story of one of our trainees. This is Dr. Maureen. We've known her for about eight years. She originally came to us as a, a medical student uh, and we've seen her throughout her training. Um, she and her husband Marvin, who was an orthopedic uh, doctor trainee at Tenwick also, uh, are a lovely Christian couple who love the Lord. And so I'm gonna just uh, roll a video to let her tell her story. Hi everybody, uh, my name is Maureen Millennium. I'm a family medicine resident at Cabrera University, uh, currently stationed at Tenwick Mission Hospital. I'm a born again Christian, I love the Lord. I'm married and uh, I have one child. And 
and um, I first came to Tendok in 2012 as a student for a two-month uh, elective rotation. And uh, during that time, I knew I wanted to come back to Tendok as an intern and even as a resident because I saw so many opportunities that I could grow academically. But the most important thing uh, was the fact that it's a Christian institution and uh, I was molded uh, to become a Christian doctor with Christian values to serve my patients with compassion and just to empathize uh, with uh, the patients that I meet. So uh, when I came in 2012, I knew I wanted to come back to Tenwek and oh, God opened the way, I came back in 2014 as uh, an intern. I did a one-year internship program uh, and throughout that time I interacted with uh, so many family physicians and they were sort of mentors for me and compared with the other doctors that I have met, uh, the teachers who have trained me, I saw something extra in a family physician. Uh, they were more interested in the patient, just more than their physical illness but uh, holistic care that they offered the previous patients, they were compassionate, they were empathetic. So, they sort of made me want to become this family doctor. I've been through four years of family medicine residency here at Tenet Mission Hospital under the leadership and the mentorship of Dino Prognali and Janice. They've been great teachers, they've been great mentors spiritually, how they serve their patients with compassion, how they do things, they work so hard. So they have molded me in every other way to become the best doctor that I can become. Um, after these four years, which are ending in the next two months, God willing, uh, initially our plans as a family was to go to Northern Kenya. Uh, it's a very dry area with no medical care um, in a hospital, a small mission hospital in Lodwa, specifically in the country of African state. So this is actually a, a map showing Lodwar. You can see it's almost directly eight hours north of us. And so as rural as we are, there is much more rural. Um, it's a very arid area, uh, a lot of herders with their camels and their goats, and not a lot of medical care and certainly not a lot of the gospel. And so it has been our privilege to be a part of Marvin and Maureen's lives uh, for the next two years. They are going to join us as faculty at Tenwick to continue to teach others to do the same while they prepare for their own mission. And then in two years, we will have the privilege of sending them out as missionaries from Tenwick, as our first really missionary couple from Tenwick. So God's desire is to use people, people like Maureen, to meet the needs of those around him, right? And we're grateful to have the opportunity to go and to make disciples um, and to see God working. But really what we wanna to say today is we are thankful for all of you who also have taken the opportunity to meet the needs of the people in this area. I mean, I think back when we first um, kind of met up with your church was back in Lawrence when you were doing, working with a team to work um, at medical clinics in Lawrence. I don't know if any of you remember that. That was a long time ago, about 15 years ago. But, and we knew that God was calling us to the mission field. And since that time, you have partnered with us and you sent us out. And so you all have been part of touching 
Maureen and Marvin's lives. And when I think about what they can do on mission in Laudoir, they're actually building um, an emerge, uh, operating room up there so they can actually do their operations and all that stuff in the middle of, really the middle of nowhere, Tenwick is, but anyway, and we're just thankful for the part that you have had, for the prayers and the support that you have given to us as a family and to um, the people at Tenwick. So we're just really, really grateful for that. And I do want to take a minute to encourage you today. You know, this time of COVID has been really strange, I think, um, for me personally, but for ministry, right? Some of the ministries that we're used to doing, we're not able to do anymore because everything has to look a little bit different because of COVID. And, you know, sometimes it seems really challenging or complicated, but it really is very simple um, to do ministry at any time. Really, we just need to do what Jesus reminded us, to see the need, to have compassion, and to do something about it. And that can be as simple as, you know, your neighbor needs help carrying in their groceries. Um, it can be as simple as a phone call to someone you feel might be a little bit more isolated and maybe they need some help. It can be, you know, a coworker saying, you know, I'm really worried my, you know, relative has COVID and just saying, hey, can I pray with you right now? Right here, yes, in the workplace, you can do it. Um, but can I, can I pray with you? Um, and there are ways that God has opened up in this time that we did not have available to us before. And there are some ways that he's just reminding us there are other ways to do ministry. So I would just really encourage you um, to look and see where does God have me ministering in the place that I'm at. We might not all go up to Laudoir, um, but we can minister wherever we are. So as Janice said, we are thankful for each of you uh, that has been a part of our ministry as well as the ministry here locally. There are many ways to be involved in our ministry. Uh, probably the biggest need is for prayer. Um, and so we brought some prayer cards which are out on the mission table and you can grab one. Our picture is there with our family. And um, then there's a, the other side is a way to sign up for our newsletters if you want to be hearing from us directly otherwise i know the missions committee does uh, keep you informed of what we're up to there are a few specific prayer items i'd like to mention this morning though the first is about covid and uh kenya right now is going through its third peak uh, which seems to be the worst of the peaks uh so far and you can imagine if our resource uh unlimited space which we're learning is not unlimited in us is struggling it's it's a huge burden uh and it's overwhelming and so please be praying for our hospital as they treat as they seek to uh help our community through this covid crisis the second is for the new er uh, as jenna said we are thankful to god for giving us what we need to build the building and create the space but we still need the resources to uh, fill the space with the equipment that will allow us to continue to care for these people well. And so please be praying with us for that. And then the third is for our family. And I actually noticed this is actually in your bulletin. Um, our daughter is at school, uh, as Janice said, at Messiah College. And we are still planning to go back in August. And we feel like God is calling us, but yet he's calling her to stay here. And so that is going to be a little bit difficult for our family. You can imagine a big transition, uh, bigger than some of the ones we've had in the past. So please be praying as our family dynamic changes uh, that, that God will help us through it and help her to establish herself as a, 
a new adult on this side. And so, again, I just want to encourage you that as you look for opportunities to be involved in God's ministry, just remember that the results are up to Him. You know, we just have to be obedient to God and to what He calls us to, and you never know what He'll do um, with the things that He asks you to do. So last summer, well, the summer before last, we were out on Fungano again, and we were um, uh, getting ready to hold another medical clinic. So each day you get up, we load all the medicines into these kind of like big canoe-like boats, and we boat to the place we're going, and then we unload the boats um, with these big things, and we go to clinic and we hold our clinic. So the problem is these medicine boxes are really, really heavy, especially the ones that have liquid medicine in them. So oftentimes we're really grateful. These young men from the community will come and they'll kind of help us unload the boat. Um, so this particular day we were there and we're unloading the boat. These guys are helping and this one guy kind of keeps looking over at me. I'm thinking, okay. And at the end he comes up and he's like, Dr. Tari, Dr. Tari, do you remember me? I thought, okay, I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, okay, remember, remember. I'm like, I have no idea who this poor guy is. I'm really sorry. I'm bad with faces. I really am. And I was like, no, this young, strong-looking guy, I don't know. And he's like, I'm George, George Bush. I was like, George, I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked to see him. And even if I was good with faces, I never would have recognized him because he looked so completely different. He was so healthy-looking and strong-looking. And um, so as I'm talking to him, I'm thinking, okay, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he's back at clinic. Like, oh no, what's the problem going to be? And, and so I said, so what are you here? What are you coming for today, George? She's like, oh no, no, I'm not here to be seen in clinic. I'm here to help. I'm your translator today. And so it was so exciting just to talk to George and hear how now he's involved in the ministry. Um, he's a strong young Christian guy and just with a desire to help and to provide help for other people. And so God is good. And it's just, it is our privilege for every Christian in the world to be part of God's work as he transforms um, people's lives for him. And so we're thankful that we could be here today to share with you and to just encourage, we need to be encouraging each other. God really is at work. And so we're thankful. Um, so thank you for letting us share today. Thanks. Mm -hmm.